And oh my God, we are live on so many platforms. It's mind boggling. I got fantastic news, everybody. We are back live on Facebook. They are basically telling us they can handle the truth again. And they missed the Jonathan Kogan show. Okay. I don't want to waste any of your time. So we're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitter. We're live on Rumble. We're not live on YouTube. They can't handle the truth yet, but they'll make it one day. And I uh, got a lot to get into. A lot to get into two big subjects. I uh, got some stuff to get into with the shots and then other stuff. Woke War 3. Woke War 3. It's the first woke war, but the third world war. So it is Woke War 3. Okay. What do I mean by that? A lot going on. Just another day in 2022 where everything's chaotic. Nothing makes sense. And there's just such extreme things happening every single day. It's just like bizarre. But, you know, you are just another day out here. Just another day. Just another day. Got the green screen behind me. What does it do? I don't know. But it surely is green. All right. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching this, subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show wherever you get your podcast, Spotify. Oh, we got a lot of listeners on Alexa now. That's awesome because I feel that that voice technology is going to definitely power the future and that most people will listen to podcasts with something like an Alexa. So I've been very surprised to see that actually the number one platform to listen to the Jonathan Kogan Show yesterday, October 16th, 2022, was Alexa's. So that was awesome. So if you're listening to this on an Alexa, Hey, Alexa, turn on the Jonathan Kogan show. Did it do anything? All right, we're done. No jokes. We got woke war three on our hands and I want to get into, got a lot to get into. So, all right, I'm going to have this, I'm going to tie this all together. We got, so let me tell you what the Jonathan Kogan show does. Let me just explain. First of all, we break through the censorship and propaganda. Okay. That's step one. Step two is we consume a ridiculous amount of information to find out what the truth is. Three, we connect the dots between all these activities because believe it or not, something going on in Germany is relating to, you know, sanctions on China and it, everything's related. It's all one big game of risks almost. It's wild, it's true, it's real. And I bring you the information and then your job is to use your God-given critical thinking skills, decipher the information, analyze the information, and come to your own conclusions. On this podcast, we do not come to conclusions. We provide you with information. We do not provide you with conclusions. That's on you. So let's get into it. We got a very good uh, op-ed. Would it be an op-ed? Is that what we call it? Op-ed? Um, from David Sachs. If you are watching this, uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. It's in Newsweek. And he really encapsulated everything that we kind of talk about in this pod. He did a very good job here. He's on the All In Podcast. It was in Newsweek. David Sachs, venture capitalist and co-host of the All In Podcast. I'm going to read through this. We're going we're to go through it. So it is titled, The Neocons and the Woke Left are Joining Hands and Leading Us to Woke War 3. So let's get into this, shall we? Elon Musk got in hot water again on Twitter for proposing peace. What kind of world have we gotten into when you... You are an extremist for proposing peace, just an extremist. If that doesn't show you there's propaganda in the news, please, come on. We're pro-peace. We're pro-human. We are pro-Earth on this podcast, just to make it very clear. On Monday, Musk proposed a peace deal to end the war in Ukraine, for which he was denounced as a pro-Putin puppet by the Twitter mob. We're live on Twitter, by the way, so if you're watching us on Twitter, I love you. Please don't cancel us. 
by the Twitter mob that has formed to police the discourse on all things related to Ukraine. And it's got the tweet of what he proposed. I'm not going to go through it, but he made a proposal. The president of Ukraine himself, Vlodomir, is that his first name? Zelensky accused Musk of supporting Russia, even though Musk's company, SpaceX, donated Starlink to Ukraine's war effort at an out-of-pocket cost of $80 million. Full disclosure, Musk is a friend and I am an investor in SpaceX. That's not me. That's David Sachs. I wish that was me, but it's not me. Ukrainian ambassador to Germany, Andriy Malink, was less subtle telling Elon to F off. While David Frum tweeted without evidence that, quote, Russian sources had used Elon to float a trial balloon of a peace proposal because they're afraid of losing Crimea. Scores of blue checks on Twitter followed their lead, ordering Musk to stay in his lane. What matters in this story is not that Musk was told off, but rather that a Twitter hive mind, a.k.a. groupthink, is usually the same intolerant cancellation tactics that they use to shut down debate on domestic political issues in order to shape U.S. policy toward Ukraine. They are doing so by demonizing dissent, defaming opponents, and closing off as ideologically unacceptable any path to peace or even de-escalation. The online mob has decided that any support for a negotiated settlement, even proposals that Zelensky himself appeared to support at the beginning of the war, is tantamount to taking Russia's side, denouncing voices of compromise and restraint as Putin apologists. This removes them from acceptable discourse and shrinks the Overton window to those advocating to those advocating the total defeat of Russia and an end to Putin's regime, even if it risks woke war three. We've seen this before. Woke mobs on Twitter routinely. How many of these? How many of these Twitter mobsters? So if it's a, if it's a Twitter mob. I imagine the individuals who make up the group of the mob are also mobsters, isn't that what I would assume? Uh, are they real? Uh, some of these, I, I, are, are all these people real? I, there's, a, there's a big part of me that thinks that they're not all real, or there's a financial component to this because some people are saying some crazy things. It's, it's actually incredible. It's fascinating to watch. Crazy time to be alive. Super grateful. Let's get back into it. Woke mobs on Twitter routinely demonize and defame their political opponents impugn the motives of anyone who questions their goals or tactics and squelch squelches. I don't squelch and squelch dissents even in their own ranks by declaring the debate on certain topics over what makes the quote. I stand with Ukraine version of the Twitter mob unique is that it brings together two forces that used to be sworn. This is a very important that used to be sworn enemies of one another, the woke left and the neoconservative right. Okay, so we used to have two different positions, the woke left and the neoconservative right. They didn't get along. Now they're BFFs. Listen, it turns out they share many of the same loathsome ideological and personality traits and have a similar slash and burn approach to political engagement. It's a new political marriage. Just over a decade ago, former President Barack Obama defeated Hillary Clinton in the Democratic primary to become president due in no small part to his opposition to the Iraq war. At the time, the left despised neocon hawks for pushing the Bush-Cheney administration's disastrous forever wars in the Middle East. Moreover, the left supported Obama in his policy toward Ukraine when he refused to escalate with Russia over Crimea, pointing out that America has no vital security interest in Ukraine, though Russia does. As a result, Russia would always be able to maintain, quote, escalatory dominance, Obama said. This is an example of where we have to be very clear about what our core interests are and what we are willing to go to war for. But 
since neoconservatives largely walked out of the Republican Party over Trump and disavowed all of their conservative domestic policy views to become commentators on MSNBC, the left has discovered a new love for an interventionist foreign policy as long as it serves, quote, democ democracy. Love, I love when people like I was watching a debate and they, they said, what do you do to save democracy? It seems like such an outlandish question. What do you do to, uh, to save democracy? Like, that's a normal question to ask. Like, do you imagine asking that question like 20 years ago? What would you do to save democracy? It seems bizarre to me. Anyways, serves democracy and opposes autocracy, an increasingly malleable term that both the wokes and the neocons now use to define not just Putin, but also democratically elected leaders like Viktor Orban in Hungary, Giorgio Maloney in Italy and Donald Trump in the United States. Despite voting for Obama because he promised to break with neoconservative foreign policy, the left has now joined with the neocons to propose Obama's restrained foreign policy in Ukraine. This shift is disorienting, but on a purely tactical level, it makes a certain amount of sense. Neocons invented the cancellation game before there was even a Twitter board on which to play it. Neocons arrogantly dismiss the other side's point of view as argued in bad faith and not worth considering and label anyone who dares question the cause as a heretic or traitor. David Fromm set the neocon standard for this tactic when he branded the small amount of pundits on the right who opposed the Iraq war as, quote, unpatriotic conservatives at the outset of that strategic disaster. Fast forward to today, and anyone who suggests that NATO expansion could have been a contributing factor to the current Ukraine crisis or that the sanctions imposed on Russia are not working and have backfired on a soon-to-be shivering Europe, which I'm going to get into more in a little bit, or even that the United States must prioritize avoiding a world war with a nuclear-armed Russia is denounced as a Putin stooge. Warping the debate in this way allows delusional and contradictory you know what I mean, thinking to go unchallenged. Thus, we get, we get the argument that Putin is a madman who will kill indiscriminately to achieve his aims, but he is also somehow definitely bluffing about using nuclear weapons. And he's only using that bluff because he's losing the war. But if he's not stopped in Ukraine, he will go on to conquer the rest of Europe. Putin's regime must fall because he has killed or jailed all liberal reformers and yoked himself to a hardline far right. But somehow he will be replaced by a liberal reformer when his regime collapses. It's nonsensical. And a real debate would expose some of the delusions in this thinking. But we aren't allowed to have one. As long as this woke neocon alliance is allowed to set the terms of the debate, we will continue to see a one-way ratchet toward greater and more dangerous escalation of this conflict. There will be no peaceful resolution to this conflict that America doesn't at least have a hand in negotiating, and we should be leading the effort. Instead, we've been deferring to the Ukrainians and their maximalist demands, upping the sanctions on Russia as Putin ups his rhetoric on the West. Someone blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Please don't look over here. Look over there. I added that. Just in case another key nation, such as Germany, had any thoughts about coming to the bargaining table. And now we are playing a gorm of nuclear chicken with a Russian leader who, if his unhinged war against the West speech last Friday is any indication, has thrown away his steering wheel. And if you drive a car, you know a steering wheel is very important. A regional war turn into the first world war because all parties made maximalist maximalist demands and assumed others were bluffing it can happen again especially 
if the media, social media, and foreign policy elite join forces and use woke cancellation tactics to preclude discussion of any alternatives. Right now, we are locked on an escalatory path, and the destination ahead is Woke War 3. David Sachs, venture capitalist, co-host of the All In Podcast, great podcast. Please go check it out. So I thought that was phenomenal, great, very well articulated, very important. Um, I thought that was very, very well written. And I think that's what's going on right now. And I don't think we can really, I don't know, argue that. I don't know if we want to argue that. I think we just need to talk about solutions. Very simple, very simple, very simple. Let me ask you, let me just ask you one question. Do you, no matter what side you're on of anything or where you live in the world, and we got a lot of people in Germany listening to this. I'm going to get something very important with you guys. But listen, do you want a nuclear war? If the answer is yes, because you think nuclear war is good for global warming and you're a nutcase, that's fantastic. Good for you. But if you think nuclear war is bad for the earth, like we think on this podcast, we think a nuclear war is bad. Now, we have a history on this podcast of being contrarian. We're a little bit different. We're a little oddball where we don't like war. We do not like war on this podcast. We don't like politics and we don't like war. I don't understand. And you can see the propaganda coming out where there's like business insiders saying Musk and Musk intervenes to propose something like the headline. Musk proposes uh, peace uh, and Trump is tries to negotiate peace deal. Experts say nuclear war is better. Like, it's crazy. It's nuts. It's wild. It's bonkers. It's bananas. It's whatever word you want to put on it with an extra cherry on top. It is wild, 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 wild. So we are, let me tell you how close we are to a nuclear war. This is no joke. Let me just tell you. Okay. Let's, let's talk about it. Shall we? As of today, which is October 17, 2022, NATO, NATO is running New, so what military does, they do these war games, okay? Like Bill Gates wants to do germ games. Let's put Bill Gates off the side for this episode. Don't want to talk about him. Okay, we do war games, all right? Everybody does war games. And it's like to practice for when there is a war, even if it's a woke world war. And we are doing nuclear war games as of today for two weeks. And then after that two weeks, guess who's doing their nuclear war games? You got it, Russia. So we got... Two sides of the coin, both doing nuclear war games, which would mean they are practicing for a nuclear war. You follow? You follow? It's like this. It's like it's like you practice a million free throws because in a game you're gonna shoot a free throw. You understand? You follow? This isn't this isn't rocket science. This isn't nuclear physicist. I'm just kidding. I wanted to use the word nuclear. I don't even know that's a thing. So this is just crazy. So how now, you know, some people are like, we're not in war. Or this isn't going to happen. Or you're crazy. Even though we've been absolutely correct on, I think everything on this podcast. I don't know. If, I don't know, look at the previous hundred episodes. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, I want to show how this all ties together with many different things going on in the world and why we are really pushing to not only a nuclear war in Ukraine with Russia, Russia, NATO, Basically, the BRICS nations and the NATO, um, which you know what that is if you've been listening to this podcast. If not, BRICS, alternative currency, trying to uh, dethrone the, the dollar as the uh, world reserve currency. A lot going on there. But if you missed it, there was massive regulation that was passed last week that overnight, bing, 
has crippled the Chinese semiconductor industry where they can't even support their existing machines because of what the United States just did. We economically declared war on China, who is an ally or in an alliance or a friend of Russia. And now we are trying to push poke both bears at the same time. If this isn't crazy, I don't know what world you've been living in. The world I've been living in has been, I didn't even need to know who any of the politicians were. I didn't even need to know anything because I was left alone. Things were peaceful. I was living a free life. Nobody was stepping on my toes, telling me to show my papers, all this nonsense. All of a sudden that changed. All of a sudden that changed. Then you got to get involved. And then you got to spread the truth because then you realize everything's propaganda. Everyone's being lied to. And then you're like, okay, I want to do the right thing. I want to help humans. And so what do you do? You start a podcast and then you spread it. And all of a sudden you're in over 50 countries. Humble brag. Yes. But let's get into the video of how this all ties together. What did we do to China? The virus came from China. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Allegedly. No. That's what it was really funny when Trump said, that. I mean, Jesus, you know, we're not political on this podcast. We're not political. We'll never be political. You can joke about Republicans. You could joke about Democrats. You can joke about independents. What happened? Where did we go? You know, it it's a really bad look when you can't make fun of one group. It's so blatant. Like you, you want to blend in. You don't want to look like you, you, you got to blend in. Okay. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to say like, oh, wow, look at, look at my, look, I had look like, look, if you're watching this, it looks like I have a big forehead. It looks like I have a big forehead. If you're listening to this, it sounds like I have a weird voice. All this stuff, you got to make fun of yourselves. You, It's okay. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's, okay, am I close? Sure. But am I perfect? Absolutely not. Are you perfect? Highly unlikely. No human is perfect. So let's stay on track before I go out of my mind because there's so much going on. It's such a weird world. It's amazing to be alive. So what happened? The bad news continues for China's semiconductor industry, and this all ties in. So here we go. This is very, very important. Please listen. Please watch. Whatever it is, does not matter. This is super important of how this ties together. Remember, this is this is Russia's best friend. Okay, so take a listen to this, and you'll see how this all ties. This just happened this week. So take a listen. Been a lot that has developed over the last 40 year, 48 hours. So I feel I need to do a quick update. Uh, the biggest thing to understand. Whew, is not only is China now unable to import the equipment to make semiconductors or the tools to maintain and operate the equipment or the software that's necessary to operate the equipment or any mid or high level chips at all. Now, any Americans who want to assist with the Chinese semiconductor industry have to make a choice. You can have your job with China or you can have your citizenship. As a result, within about 48 hours of the policy being adopted last Friday, Every single American citizen who was working in China in the industry either quit or their companies relocated their entire division so they wouldn't have to lose their staff. For all practical purposes, the Chinese semiconductor industry of everything over like Internet of Things level of quality is now dead. And that has a lot more implications than it sounds. The Chinese have proven incapable over the last 25 years of advancing sufficiently technologically in terms of the intellectual heft that's required to operate this industry beyond being able to simply operate the facilities that make the low-end chips, and even that had to be managed by foreign foreigners. 
So there is no indigenous capacity here to pick this up and move on. And since the United States has basically corralled the Japanese and the Dutch, two very pro-American countries from a strategic sense, to join in this ban, really all that's left is potentially Korea and Taiwan. And even if they were fully on board, which they're not, that is not enough to carry all the water that needs to be carried. In terms of industrial follow-on, this doesn't just mean that the Chinese are never going to be able to make the chips that go into cars or computers. It also means that any industry that is dependent upon the hardware dies. So when you think of some of the technological advancements that the Chinese have made in recent years, things like AI and mass automation, monitoring their own population, the great firewall, hypersonic cruise missiles, a space program, supercomputers. If the Chinese want to do any of this, they have to buy chips basically on the gray market, purchase pre-finished products, and then pull out the chips and apply them to something they weren't designed for. We are looking at at least an order of magnitude drop in the Chinese capacity to operate in anything that is tech-focused. This is a deal killer, not just for the industry, but for a modern technocratic system. From a technological point of view, China is done. The question, of course, is what do they do about it? We are dealing with a one-man government here that's a little petulant when they don't get their way, and where the bureaucracy is either completely static or over-enthusiastic and does things like wolf warrior diplomacy. So I would expect this kind of bag of dicks diplomacy that has evolved in China to get this hard and loud, which will probably only encourage the Americans to act more harshly and start targeting some of the lower end semiconductors. And that's going to have consequences throughout the world, but we'll get to that another time. So let me, let's do a little bit of history real quick, real quick. So if you really know the story, so Frankenstein created the monster. The monster isn't Frankenstein. Frankenstein is the doctor, okay? Frankenstein and the monster was not Frankenstein. The monster was the monster. So in the 1970s, or really before that with Mao, the United States of America was Frankenstein, the doctor. And basically what we did was we created this project and created this monster, which is China, with our policies, our bankers, our, our, our global elites. And we turned China into what it is today. And what essentially happened was is that we've created something that got too big and out of control that we now can no longer handle. That is what has occurred. We now have China that is this massively powerful country, which is great. God bless them. But it was really on the heels of like Henry Kissinger and other prominent figures in U.S. politics that built that country. Basically, uh, in the 1980s, uh, the uh, uh, what was it? The uh, what was it? They were like 40. I don't know. They were very poor. Okay, something like 40 to one. I don't know what the ratio is, though, but they're very, very poor. And between 1985 and today, they've got incredibly wealthy. They're incredibly powerful and they've done a really, really a great job. And now Xi Jinping, who is the president or the I don't know what you the Communist Party president of China, gave a speech yesterday, which I want to get into. So basically overnight, while listen to all this stuff that's going on, this is crazy. Okay. You got Fauci going on Colbert telling you to put more stuff in you. That's a separate story. 
Then you got uh, you got NATO doing nuclear bomb drill. Well, I guess nuclear war games. You got Russia doing nuclear war games. You have the United States destroying the semiconductor industry for China, which then basically requires them to take to reunify, let's say, with Taiwan. Okay, just to even have a chance to survive. Okay, this is all going on at the same time. This is totally normal. This is totally normal. Please. This is nothing. This is just another year of being alive. You got Bill Gates prancing around, giving speeches and, and putting his hands like this and saying and squeezing his arm when he tells you to do something. It just looks like a guilty fraud. I hate, I don't want to bring him up again. And, uh, and then you got Xi Jinping giving a speech, which they do twice a decade. And we destroyed economic, we destroyed China economically. We got Russia, which we're trying to use the propaganda in our Western media to provoke a world, a woke war. And then we have everybody in America pretty much like becoming homeless because of inflation. But don't worry. This is a hundred percent normal. You see, humans adapt to things that slowly change. If you have a pot of hot water or a pot of water and you have a frog in it and you slowly make it hotter and hotter and hotter, that frog is going to get too hot and die. If you have a boiling pot of water and you throw the frog in, he's going to jump right out. So what is that analogous to? Or what's that analogy of? Of human condition humans to take some of the, like take some civil civil liberties away or, you know, uh, force us to do this. And we adapt and we adapt and we adapt. And before we know it, the pot's boiled, but we're still in it. Whereas if you take everything away at once, we're going to jump right out of the pot. They're slowly turning it up on us. That's what's been going on these past few years. They're turning and turning and turning it up. And we're adapting. We are adapting. We should not be adapting. We should not adapt. Or we should always adapt. But we should remember the goal of being human fundamentally is being free. No matter who you are. I don't care what your beliefs are. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what country you live in. I don't care what you look like. If you are somewhat of a nice person, not even totally nice, you just respect communities. You should be free. You should be free. And I want you to be free. And we need to want people to be free. So let's get into how this ties in. Xi Jinping vows. This is from the Daily Wire. Xi Jinping vows to grow China's middle class at key Communist Party meeting. So Chinese President Xi Jinping expressed a desire to grow his nation's middle class during a landmark two-hour speech at the Communist Party Congress on Sunday. As the as the party's legislature convenes for its twice per decade meeting, Xi opened by discussing his geopolitical ambitions, including the defeat of democratic aspirations in Hong Kong and the imminent conquest of Taiwan. With respect to economic policy, Xi emphasized the need to improve conditions for Chinese families. And by the way, if you so he says it's imminent with Taiwan. We impose these, we, we basically destroy their semiconductor industry, requiring them to go after Taiwan. So we're, we're, we're putting, you know, as a, as the West, we should just say, not even just the United States, probably the whole West. We have a major threat in Ukraine with Russia and nuclear, nuclear war. And then on the other side, we have Taiwan that simultaneously is probably going to be attacked somehow, some way. And we have to protect, like, we're going to get involved in both. Really? You know, like when you stretch yourselves too thin. And then you really, you do, you know, basically from the book Essentialism, there's this great diagram and it's a circle. And all around the circle, you have these little arrows going out. 
like little arrow, little arrow. And it shows if you do, you know, if you do too many things, you only make a little bit of progress in each direction. But if you focus on one thing and it has a really a circle, which is one long arrow in the diagram next to it, if you just focus on one thing, you could be amazing at it and you go 80 times as far. Well, we're that little circle that goes a little bit in every direction and accomplishes nothing. China is the circle that focuses on one thing and goes really far. And you could even say Russia's like that right now because they have one thing at hand and we have multiple. We not only have foreign policy issues, we have domestic issues, major domestic tension. I mean, you got people rooting for a civil war. You have people like the great Bill Gates, the man, the the myth, the legend, the, the con artist saying this election is going to be hung. I never even heard that terminology before. I've never even heard that. I've never heard that. Okay. Now I hear it's going to be hung, which means no side concedes. What? 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 And then also in the next segment, he released, you know, GMO mosquitoes and to vaccinate people in Florida, but we'll get into that video later. Yeah. So this is just outrageous. This is just, this is a lot. This is a lot. I think David Sachs did a very, very good job of articulating what's going on. Uh, It's definitely getting some traction on Twitter. Uh, it's trending or was trending at least, which is very good because the most important part of all of this is to be able to have a discussion. Okay. Having open discourse is always better for the peasant, which you are. And I am open discourse is best for peasants. Silencing a side of any argument or any discussion is not optimal for everyday peasants. It's not, it's not. That can only be in the interest of elites because they can control the narrative. If you can, if you have enough power to shut down a side of a discussion, you are elite because peasants can't shut down any side of an argument for culture. That's ridiculous. We need to have open discourse. We need to have uncomfortable discussions. We need to perhaps offend people to get to whatever is the best conclusion for human beings all across this world, all across this world. And so that brings me full circle, not full circle, but I don't know, like third base or something to Germany, who is on the, who is literally cutting 10. It's so ironic. This is like, just as David pointed out the contradictions, uh, to the arguments of like having, you know, going this way and then going that way. And they're like contradict each other. Well, you have people who are like obsessed with the environment. We love the earth. We love the earth on this podcast. Don't get that. Don't get this twisted. People who are like, do it, you know, the earth, the earth, the earth, the environment, the environment. But then policy, political policy is forcing Germans, not the German people, they have to because they want to live, to cut down tens of millions of fresh trees. I don't know why I said fresh, of trees in the forest, which buy to burn so they can keep their, their home, their apartment warm this winter if they run out of energy, which Seems more likely by the day. They are, if you love the environment, you don't want tens of millions of trees to be cut down. Why are you not talking about nuclear power? Why are you shutting down nuclear power? Let me guess, you're going to say to your head, Chernobyl. No, they try to, first of all, the way we build a nuclear power plant is totally different than when we had Chernobyl. That would never happen again or highly unlikely. But they want to put that fear in you so you're against nuclear because most people just want to read headlines and don't want to understand what is really best for the people. Now, I think we should do what's in the best interest of human beings, first and foremost. 
Yes, I love the earth, but I love humans first. And I think you got to do what's best for the humans, and then you go what's best for the earth. You don't go what's best for the earth, kill the humans, and then do what's best for the humans. Too late. Not going to work. We got to do what's best for the humans. Nuclear is not good for the soil. Radiation isn't good for your plants. It's not good for anything. It's bad for both. If you're a crazy environmentalist, you cannot say that you want a nuclear war. That doesn't make sense. That is what we call an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. Okay? It doesn't make sense. A nuclear war doesn't make sense for anything, actually. I don't even know what argument it does make sense for. So let's get into what world Germany's playing and kind of what's on the line here. And I'm going to take this back to Peter Zionahan, geopolitical strategist, very, very smart. And it's a book I've recommended several times that I highly suggest you read which is the end of the world is just the beginning. It's very well written. It's very expands the mind. And if you want to be a critical thinker, which if you listen to this podcast, you are a critical thinker because it's a prerequisite to listen to the Jonathan Kogan show, then you should read it. By the way, go to patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. If you want to make a donation, I really appreciate it, but I don't like pitching things. So let's get into Germany and then full circle how all this ties together because this is crazy. This is a, a world war. I mean, that's what's going on here. So um, the cost of Germany's support for Ukraine. Take a listen. Two minutes, 50 seconds. In Germany, I've had a lot of people write in with some less than kind things to say about the Germans because they're not providing what is perceived to be the appropriate level of weapons support to the Ukrainians. Uh, There's a strategic reason for that, but I wanted to talk about the economic sacrifice that the Germans are making right now. Now, Unlike the United States, which is relatively agnostic about where we get our industrial inputs, uh, the Germans have to have a plan because they don't have any of it local. So what they do is they cut deals with the Russians to bring natural gas in at large volumes and reasonable prices. That provides not just the basis for their entire electricity sector, but also their entire manufacturing sector. Because that natural gas is processed into petrochemical goods, which are then the basis of manufacturing. So if something happens to the natural gas flows, the entire German manufacturing model fails. Now, back on September 1, the Russians cut off supplies through the Nord Stream pipeline. (coughs) Excuse me. Getting over laryngitis. Uh, And told the Germans publicly that until you cease participating in the NATO coalition supporting Ukraine, and until you lift all sanctions, we're not turning this back on. This was 40% of their supply. And that meant that the Germans had to replace that 40% with marginal suppliers. And so natural gas prices in Germany have gone through the roof to the point that it's no longer economically viable to generate electricity or the petrochemicals that undergird the entire economic model. The Russians basically told the Germans, you can be modern and industrialized and neutral, or you can choose to be Western and lose everything. And the Germans went with option B. And now that Nord Stream has been blown up, there's no going back, even if we had a government shift in Germany and Russia today. So we are looking at nothing less than the complete collapse of the German manufacturing model in just the next year or two. So could the Germans have done more with weapons? Maybe. But the sacrifice that they've chosen to make is higher than what anyone who else who is supporting Ukraine has done. Now, With the bombings that we had a couple of days ago in Kiev, the German consulate got hit by one of those missiles. 
And the Germans sat up, noticed that real quick, and have already delivered air defense systems to the Ukrainians. So now that the damage is done economically and they know exactly what's in front of them and what's at stake, I think we're going to see a lot more of this moving forward. So Germany may very soon be not just the country that's sacrificing the most, but one of the countries that is also donating the most. Yeah, so Germany's got a lot on the line. Obviously, with what happened with Nord Stream, took them out of having a negotiation with Russia. Uh, Who did it? Who knows? Um, It obviously wasn't Russia. That would make no sense. Uh, It's either the U.S. or Poland and and the U.K., maybe the U.K. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Uh, It's done. It's done. We got to talk about solutions. So we are inching closer and closer to something catastrophic and not good for anything. Okay, I have to say this again. It's not good for humans. If you want, we for the last two years we we were so cautious of keeping humans safe. For the elderly, do this because you don't want to get somebody. Well, that's true. Then how do you want a nuclear attack to occur? But that's definitely going to hurt the elderly. It's going to hurt the youngerly, the everything Lee, Lee Lee Lee. It's going to hurt everything. So if you if you're worried about the virus infecting and hurting someone, you have to awfully be consistent. You have to be consistent and say. Okay, maybe radiation in the nasal pharynx wouldn't be good either. Perhaps, perhaps, okay, perhaps. Now, we got to get this discussion going about peace because I believe more people than not are for peace. We got nuclear drills going. Those war games, by the way, last two weeks, which means the Russians will last two weeks as well, which is looking at a month timeline which uh, ironically coincides right after the midterms for the United States. I'm sure that has nothing to do with it, but whatever. Uh, we're not political on this podcast, so I, we don't care about elections. We care about world peace. We care about the increase in child children starving since the beginning of the pandemic because lack of food, supply chains. We care about the increased all-cause mortality across the world that no one's discussing. We care about asking questions that matter and requiring answers for those questions. Holding people accountable. Not letting powerful people get away with whatever they want. It's uncomfortable to talk about this stuff, but it's required. Without accountability, civilization will not prosper. You must have accountability. And that is one of the key reasons why the Jonathan Cogan show started in the first place, because we realized that the mainstream news in the West was all propaganda on behalf of the elites and the CIA and whoever are the the parties, a complete psyop. And so now we have creators all over the world, the Duran, the Jonathan Cogan show, excellent people. All of the, there's people everywhere that are asking the hard questions and we're creating this who, this, this who we don't trust. We don't like the who, uh, this new media ecosystem on the internet that we're finally starting to reach one another and getting meaningful audiences to have these discussions that should be happening in the quote unquote mainstream that they sold out. They sold out to the people in every country in the West. For all the peasants across the world, the media sold out. They had a choice. They could have stuck around and asked questions for the people, or they can spew propaganda on behalf of the elite. 
They chose the latter. And so it's people like us and others doing incredible reporting, getting to the truth, sifting through past the censorship, past the propaganda, asking these difficult questions and getting to an answer and a solution that is best for the people, by the people, of the people, with the people, the people, the people, the people. And we cannot lose sight of that because last time I checked, we as humans are all on the same team. It's very simple. It doesn't matter if you're Russian, American, Ukrainian, English. It doesn't matter what you are. You are human. You are human. And the more labels we can take off of ourselves, the more we can come together and unite. The labels and these subgroups are intentionally imposed on us to divide culture while the elite continue to conquer culture and the world and take the largest wealth transfer in history and get more control and use totalitarian measures against the will of the people. We cannot stand for that. We cannot forget just the more privileges we had just years ago, the, 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 the somewhat of peace. I know there was still chaos going on in the world and it's all wrong. We're anti-war on this podcast for sure. Which by the way, what happened to a, a political party, specifically the Democrats being anti-war? What happened? What happened? Now the anti-war people are only the apolitical people. And more and more people want to be apolitical or are apolitical. We don't want to choose a team. We don't think it's required. We think we can get along as humans. Let Leave us alone. Stop threatening nuclear attacks. Stop. Enough. You had fun with your propaganda the past few years. Fantastic. You had a ball. Great. You tricked some of us. But it's over. It's done. Let it go. Relinquish control. You're going to hurt people for no reason. Now, maybe it's for a reason, but it's not okay to destroy a country or anything like that. And if you really do stand with Ukraine, which is great, if you say, I stand with Ukraine, then you should not want a nuclear attack on Ukrainian soil. You either stand with them and you boycott against nuclear war, or you take that hashtag and flag out of your bio. Listen, it's tough things to say, but someone has to start speaking the truth and someone has to put that out there because that's how this works. <sighs> Nuclear war isn't good for anybody. It's not good for the woke, the neocons. It's only good for Raytheon. It's not even good for them because if there's nuclear attack, everybody's gone. It's all kaput. So let's get our minds out of the gutter. Let's think independently. Let's evaluate everything. And let's at least try to negotiate peace. Why in the world is negotiating peace controversial? We have lived to see the day where negotiating peace is controversial. If that doesn't tell you we live in peculiar times, then go to Mars. It'll be even crazier.
No, it'd probably be less crazy. Mars would be less crazy. The only one that'd be more crazy is Jupiter because it just somehow went up like 700 degrees. The atmospheric pressure went up 700 degrees because the whole solar system's adjusting. We're in like a a 10,000-year cycle right now, which is why all this crazy stuff's happening and the whole climate uh, push. I mean, there's real climate change stuff, but this is a big part of it because the elites know the seculum and and seculum and, you know, the cycles at a bigger, larger scale, atmospheric pressure, solar system alignment. That's what's really going on. I'm going to get more into that stuff in future episodes, by the way. By the way. So all I ask is can we start having difficult discussions with the goal of, of achieving world peace. Remember when like Miss Universe or whatever, they would always give a speech and we used to make fun of them in the nineties. They would always come give a speech and everyone who won like Miss Universe or Miss US or whatever, the, 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 the pageants, they go, what do you want? What do you want? They give a speech. And it was always world peace, world peace, world peace. Well, let's make world peace cool again. Let's bring it back. Peace was awesome. Peace is the coolest thing ever. It is literally amazing. Amazing. And then we got tensions going on with Israel and Iran, and there's so much chaos going on. By the way, it's not normal. It's not normal. And we need to start pushing against it as the people. If we sit by idly and let these pro-war psychopaths lead us on this path, we will end up in a war that benefits nobody and hurts everybody. That is a losing scenario for all parties involved. No matter what, no matter what, that's it. It's very simple. So let's have these discussions. Hopefully this wakes some people up. Hopefully this does a little bit. If, if you think it's good, please share the Jonathan Kogan show. We're very censored, obviously. But we're willing to have the conversation. I'm also willing to have anybody come on the podcast, whether you're the pro-war side, whether you want to achieve world peace. If we can get one of each party, let's have a discussion. If we can get someone who's, if you know someone who's very, very smart with geopolitical strategy and is pro-war, same thing with someone who's not for war, let's have them on. I'll, I'll moderate. I'm a fair, objective moderator. Maybe we can get that going. If you go to Rumble, go to the channel Ownership Economy or go to patreon.com forward slash Ownership Economy and leave a note and a comment there with whoever you suggest. Or if you're the person, then just message me or go to my Twitter at Kogs, K-O-G-Z and DM me. Slide into those DMs. Just slide in like we're going stealing home plate. All right. Got another segment coming up. I'm separating these because some people don't want to listen to Woke War 3. Some people just want to learn about what's happening with the uh new 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 news with uh with the shots and and some other crazy stuff that's going on like uh I'll just briefly cover it. Boston University creates a new uh uh COVID strain that has an 80% kill rate echoing dangers experiments feared to have started pandemic that just came out today what is going on in this world this is so bizarre so bizarre let's get back to world peace and let's get back to having difficult discussions for what's best for the people all right Subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show. Thank you for listening. New segment coming up next. God bless you. You're amazing. Have an amazing morning, amazing afternoon, amazing night. I'll be back soon. Bye.